Theorizing that Quantum Leap would hold up after 30 years, two friends set out to watch every episode and vanished. Oh boy. Sam reunites a husband and wife. Just another day in a rabbi's life. Mazel tov, Karen Bosch. Oh boy! Featuring Kristen and Leet. Yeah! Hello, and welcome Hi. Oh, to another episode of Oh, oh boy, boy, it's, it's Kristen, Kristen and Leet. I'm Leet. I'm Kristen. Uh, this is a show where we uh, watch an episode of Quantum Leap, and then we talk about Quantum Leap and whatever else happens to come up. Well yeah. said. Um, due to the, the kind of magic of podcasting, you're hearing this just a week after the last episode was released, but we haven't seen each other for like a good two or three weeks. What's going on? Um, well, it's, we're starting off with a train time. Train time in the Time morning. for the train, train to go by in, in the evening, evening. 4.23 p.m. 4.23 420, am I right? Hey. hey. <laughs> You're so cool, Leet. <laughs> um, yeah, things have been good. They've been busy. Um, I went to New York. That was fun. Oh, yeah. You saw some stuff. You saw Hades Town. Yes. You saw Hadesville. I saw you Hadesland. You saw the city of Hades. I saw Hadesburg. You did karaoke with your mother? No, she won't ever do it. She keeps threatening. She's like, we're going to, maybe one of these days I'm going to do karaoke. Look out. She's never done it before. But then she chickens out. I'll be like, tonight, let's go this place. She's like, no, what am I going to sing? No. So Literally anything. <laughs> yeah. I'll be like, I'll sing with you. She's like, no, no. Anyway, we didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. I respect her for that. Because you don't like karaoke? I don't like karaoke. Why not? Um, uh, um, I'm very good at singing when it's prepared and I know exactly what's going to happen and mm. there are no uh, variables. And then I get really self-conscious when uh, circumstances aren't ideal. Fair enough. I like karaoke, but I get very... Um, I like it to be organized and ordered. I like to make sure that everybody gets an equal chance. I hate when you go to a place and like the same person's gone up seven times and you've been waiting to go up for like an hour. That you want a list. You don't me. want a bucket. You want a list. I want a list. Mm-hmm. I like an organized karaoke. Yeah, that's important. But I like to do weird ass songs. Like, like what? What's your go-to? Um, my go-to. I <laughs> for a while, me and my buddy, our go-to was welcome to the black parade okay because <laughs> it's so fun that song's a lot i like fun songs not necessarily ones i'll sing really well because like there's nothing more boring than someone going up to karaoke to like sing my heart will go on really perfectly it's like who well cares? that's exactly why i would go to karaoke <laughs> <laughs> you put your sheet music down and yeah. as i say that and leave in a huff <laughs> um no i like doing meatloaf um mm-hmm. So, yeah, anything meatloaf is fun. Uh, for a while, my, my friends used to always get me to do um, uh, White Wedding because I can hit the low notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to go up and be like, it's a nice day for <laughs> have a bunch of people confused. Last time I went, I opened the night with um, Duhast. 
Mm. Um, <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, you're doing some pretty out there shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I like karaoke. I like pushing the boundaries of karaoke. <laughs> That's the idea of like, what is what is the deconstructed postmodern form of karaoke? Um, well, there's that episode of The Good Place where all the evil demons do uh, karaoke to the uh, Nixon tapes. Oh, no. <laughs> that's pretty good. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Spoken word karaoke is pretty. Is a pretty good idea. That is a pretty good idea. So Everybody's what... free to wear sunscreen. <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool, cool. You were going to say something? No. Well, I was going to say, what episode did we watch? We watched an episode of Quantum Leap called Thou Shalt Not. It appears somewhere in season two. I have not paid attention. Can I just say how hard I nailed the prediction this week? You, I was really proud of you, honestly. <laughs> I, I don't think it's ever happened. This Has is, it? This is the closest you have ever come. Yeah. Yeah, I knew it. I heard that thou shalt not, and I was like, somebody's going to be having an affair. Which and is weird, because there are ten commandments, and only one of them is about affairs, but... We don't care about... Well, to be no. fair, only one, nine of the ten are thou shalt not commandments. And there's one that's a thou Honor shalt. Honor thy... Yeah. yeah. That's actually... Oh, that's a funny story. Uh, I was once rehearsing a show, I don't remember what, but I was doing something in a church basement <laughs> where they had Sunday school... Um, uh, and they had, as an arts and craft project, made kind of big styrofoam fake Ten Commandments uh, uh-huh. tablets. Uh, but in order to save space, they had just written across the top, thou shalt not, and then listed all of them below that, which works for almost all of them, except for the one that is honor thy father and thy mother. Right. And so I was just watching, and I was like, you could have just as easily like said, thou shalt not. Not honor thy father and thy mother. Like, that could have worked. But they just said, thou shalt not honor thy father and thy mother. Hashtag catechism fail. Also, in the, in a way, because I think the first one begins, like, I am the Lord thy God. So it's like, thou shalt not, I am the Lord <laughs> thy God. Thou shalt not have other gods before me. Yeah. If that was in quotes, like, thou shalt not, I am the Lord, <laughs> Lord thy God. Yeah, fair enough. It's kind of the second one, which is, thou shalt not worship false gods, i.e. Yeah. yourself. Yeah. Anyway, food for thought. Yeah, um, so he, 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 he leaps, and uh, as we mentioned last week, he is um, he's the, he's rabbi. the rabbi, which he says, Oy vey, I'm the rabbi. Actually, my first note even comes before that, which is when we have the opening narration, mm. uh, which, you know, he always does kind of a little recap of what the last episode was, oh. and then does a, a really ham-fisted uh, segue into what this one is. Are you talking about how he refers to God as the big bopper? The big bopper. <laughs> that wasn't that, but it's just that he he name-checks Chubby Checker. They again, really are pushing the Chubby was, Checker agenda. If fully in one and a half minutes of the episode... <laughs> Uh, 78 seconds of which was them doing the twist. That was their brightest golden shoehorn yet. Had no bearing on the plot whatsoever, but he says, sometimes when you're quantum leaping, you get to meet Chubby Checker. And also you're on a radio station and all that. I was like, like, was that the primary goal (laughs) of the last episode? And we all just didn't, didn't pick up on it. Oh, well. (laughs) I mean, sure. I would be stoked too if I met Chubby Checker, but... Well, to, to, to be like, that's what last week's episode was about. Well, and following the rock and roll theme, yeah, to be like, you know, uh, the big bopper must have had a plan of whatever. And it's like, 
I don't know. That just, I, I thought was real funny to imagine, like, praying to God and being like, God, and it'd be like, hello, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I just really enjoy that. Yeah. Yes, this is the Big Bubba speaking. <laughs> also, I love that now we've got, we just need a, um, um, fuck, uh. Who's the guy who did La Bamba? I don't anyway, know. I'm just there. I think I'm ticking off the um, the people uh, who died in the American Pie plane crash because we've had um, oh we've had Buddy Holly and now we've referenced uh, the Big Bopper. So we're just we're just ticking them off. By the end of this show, <laughs> we'll have a full list. It's a dare that among the writers, they're like, "Bet you you can't fit in everyone in that plane crash." And then at the very end, like they'll they'll play American Pie in the last episode. <laughs> For, yeah, they'll just hand Sam a pie, and then the that'll be the end credit song. Yeah, with no relevance. Yeah, and then he starts fucking the pie. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Um, so he leaps into a rabbi at a bat mitzvah. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything to say about that scene. He has to finish it because he's he has to finish the ceremony. Well, here's he's the rabbi. Here's or not the thing. Yet. Here's the thing. That's I mean that is a very important thing. The one thing is we get our first uh, I think our only mirror gag where he's standing there and like he's his pretty irrelevant. Yeah, uh, the the cantor is singing and the and the whole. Is it a congregation? We don't know anything about Judaism. Is it a congregation? We'll call it this congregation. They're all singing. The what? I was going to say tweet us. Tweet at us. At Kristen Lee. Yeah. Is it a congregation? Is it a congregation? Or is there another word for it in Hebrew? Interesting. I mean, there's definitely another word for it in (laughs) Hebrew. Yeah, sure. Sure. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so he's singing and Sam is just politely appreciating the music and he looks over. Uh, and to me, I think I, I said that he looks a lot like Anthony Weiner. You said he looks like um, ben, Stiller. ben Stiller. So that think that way. Um, um, I wonder if that shot because uh, his brother Joe is in the shot too, right? When I, he looks in the mirror, is he? Because we've definitely seen Joe. Yeah, I don't. I thought he was in the house, but the house, the uh, the the sanctuary god um the... <laughs> we only know theater <laughs> and catholicism apparently well um i don't remember but the, the cantor was the guy uh with the mustache he was singing yeah. i don't think joe was the guy singing no but joe was there I think. he was around think. yeah well and in, in any way i wondered if that shot was there to show us that they look similar like they look like brothers oh interesting. because they do like we see they both have that blonde curly hair like they they look they, they, the actors could be brothers, sure. so I wondered, just because, yeah, the mirror was never used again and never needed again. Yep. So just... anyway, um, my my point about this was, um, we get the the our cliffhanger is, um, you know, they're they're all singing. The cantor finishes up his song and then looks over at Sam and says something again in Hebrew, prompting Sam, "You've got to do the next thing." Yeah. And Sam goes, "Oy vey, I'm the rabbi." Then we cut to credits, and we come back from credits, and it's after. It's at the after party. And I'm like, I so How wanted to How did he get to, out of that? I so wanted to see what Sam did. We just skipped that entirely. And that is such a bait and switch. I'm really upset about it. Yeah. Yeah. I really... And again, we've established prior to this that Sam has uh, an advanced degree in uh, ancient languages. Yes. Hebrew would have been, like, so easy to explain... Why he can do uh, like a, a a bat mitzvah ceremony? Yeah, read from the Torah, whatever they do. 
I don't understand why they decide, as we see in the party coming up, like the reception after, um, Al coaches him through everything like he did with Italian in, in yep. that episode that I love. Um, but like Al coaches him through. I'm like, it makes more sense to me that Sam, having a graduate degree in ancient languages, mm-hmm. would just know Hebrew than Al, a man who... Kind of inexplicable. Like, he's smart, too. He's a scientist of some kind, probably. Right? Yeah, fighter pilot slash uh, Navy admiral slash astronaut. So, like, you gotta do, you gotta be science to do those things. This is my point, though, is that Al, especially when it comes to culture, knows everything. Like, yep. the Italian one. Okay, so his name's Al Calavici, so it makes. Calavici? Calavici. Al yeah. Calavici. It makes sense that he can speak Italian. Yeah. And that he kind of can talk him through the culture or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then um, Color of Truth, when he decides to give us a lecture and, you know, what it means to be African-American because he has African-American friends, you're like, I don't know about that, Al. Mm-hmm. And then here, again, he's just he just knows everything about Judaism. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could he could be Jewish. If, if Shakespeare's taught me anything, there are Jews in Italy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely there are. Um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't be so but no, surprised I mean, well, that he knows everything again. This was my called shot. I called this shot and I fucking nailed it. As soon as, uh, Al, it's, it's, Sam, uh, has to do the, the prayer over the bread, um, and, and Al starts coaching him through it. And at that exact moment, I said, one of Al's ex-wives was Jewish. Yes. I called that shot and like two minutes later I was, uh, vindicated, uh, Al talks about his third, or was it fourth, ex-wife Ruth. And he, he <laughs> brings her up over and over again as his explanation for why he knows Jewish stuff. I wonder if he converted for Ruth. I wonder. There was some, I missed the exact content of it, but at some point there was a, a joke about circumcision. I wonder if <laughs> um, Al had a midlife Al. circumcision <laughs> for his third, or was it fourth, wife. <laughs> yeah. Um so I'm I'm not saying that it doesn't make sense that Al knows you know the culture and everything. It's just that he knows every culture. Everything. Yeah. And and I think wouldn't it make sense for a man who has a graduate degree in ancient languages to just speak Hebrew yeah. as well, you know. And to you know know something about the the traditions and the ceremonies. Like that makes sense to me. That tracks. Yeah. All all you would really need to do is uh for Al to be like Hey Sam, you remember that you know how to do this? And Sam goes, "Oh right, yes I do." And then he goes on into it. Yeah, like I've I've studied it. I've never done it myself, maybe, sure. but like you know, I can read it. Yeah, I'll read the book. Sure, I can read this book. I can read. I can read any book. After the blessing of the bread, we get into a nice long horror sequence where Al teaches Sam how to do the horror. Al's like, "Oh, I love the horror!" He Which, gets so excited. To be fair, it does look like a lot of oh, fun. I yeah, it looks I like so much fun. Yeah, it looks great. Um, and I love that song, too. Like, I love um, klezmer music. So it was just a nice little synth playing Hava Nagila, and it was mm-hmm. outrageous, and I loved it. This is 76, 79? Uh, it was before that. I didn't get an exact date, actually, but um, later on we hear that the book that Bert is writing becomes a bestseller in 1975, so this must be the 74. early 70s. 74. 74? Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I was kind of like, oh, listen to this uh, synth playing Hafa Nikila. Like, this is pretty, pretty cool, pretty interesting. And I was wondering about the year too and how. I mean, I, I guess, I guess it had been around for a little while. The synth. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it probably was invented in the '60s or something. For sure, with disco. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But of course, disco didn't really come around until the late '70s, '76, '77. Oh yeah. Um, but now that we're here, like, this story is not year-specific. This could have taken place at any time. Yes. So In any place. We don't even, I don't even think we ever learned where this is. It's obviously the United States, but... Yeah. Did you catch a location there near a beach? Yeah. Which also made me think, like, so far, we haven't had any kind of contemporary 1980s settings. I, I'm excited. I wonder if that's going to come up. I hope we get to at least like early 80s, especially because this show ran for quite some time, right? Yeah, uh, five years. Five years. So like if it went till 94, 95, like doing an episode in 1980. Yeah, it would have been interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, so far we've just exclusively done 50s, 60s, 70s. We've never, there's no reason that, um, I mean, again, it's a time travel show. So you want to have an amount of like, Neat costumes and shit like that. But at the same time, yeah. like, there's no um, um, kind of canonical reason why God wouldn't leap Sam to, like, January of 1989. Well, there were two mom- um, two moments jump out at me as being really timey hmm? in this episode. And the first is um, he mentions, like, a big baseball game in the car or oh, something. Yeah. And, like, you know, I don't know. It was just like, yeah. wouldn't it have been great or you would have remembered not you wouldn't have re- i don't know you would have forgotten seeing you wouldn't have forgotten what uh, you get it yeah um um <laughs> like you take the reins leave take the reins i was just gonna say there's there are a couple things one there's apparently a gas shortage that does not play um, into the episode even at all it's just a little bit of coloring um the heimlich maneuver the heimlich maneuver <laughs> which i think is the golden shoehorn that is a beautiful winner. golden shoe shoehorn um, <laughs> we have a big contender for that one. Um, I think that's it. Those are the only two that I thought of. Was he mentions a big baseball incident? Yeah, and the Heimlich maneuver gets invented. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then you're saying there's a gas shortage. I mean, yeah, I think that was it. And it, like you said, it doesn't matter. Like, None of this plays into the plot even at all. Those only seem to pop up to be a little like, oh, right, this is a time travel episode. Yeah. A time travel TV show. Yeah. But it's mostly about repairing this family. And I'm going to say going into it that I thought this episode was beautiful. It was really nice. The acting has been better. Like, I, I don't, you don't think so? With who? All of them. I don't think there was. A, I don't. We think we had a Dixie. I don't think there was a really standout good I performance. I literally wrote at the end of my notes. Yeah. Everyone is Dixie of the week. Oh really? I thought they were all a little. I mean, it could have been a script problem or it could have been an acting problem. But I thought I, nobody stood out to me. I thought the little girl had some really sincere, tearful moments. Um, and by little girl, we mean a thirteen-year-old girl. Bat mitzvah. <laughs> um, which we only say because. Let's just remind everyone that last season in the Kamikaze Kid, we saw Sam Beckett kiss a 14-year-old girl. So when we saw this girl, who is very much treated like the child that she is in this episode, we were like, 
She's basically the same, yeah. same age as the love interest. Halfway in that through episode. the episode, I just broke out laughing because I was like, "She's." We know for a fact that she's thirteen because this episode began at her bar, bat mitzvah, and Sam once made out with a girl exactly her age. Yeah, close. close. <laughs> so that was fun, but yeah, I, I thought she was really good. She had. She was very emotionally present, I think. I thought the wife was very good, especially at the end. And uh, the dad, I thought, had this really interesting arc. He was really good at being really horrible and mean, mm-hmm. and we hated him. And then his, uh, spoilies, his breakdown at the end. Uh, <laughs> I mean, y'all know that if a man starts crying, I'm done. Yeah. I mean, I, he was, in my in my opinion, the the standout Dixie. But I thought I thought that this um, was was... L- less consistently good acting than we've generally seen from most other episodes. I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, like when I saw the little girl cry, I'm like Dixie of the week. And then when I saw the dad cry, I was like, nope, there are two Dixies. And then the mom was crying too. I'm like, three Dixies. <laughs> They're all Dixies. But I know, whatever. Uh, Russ Hamlin was in this episode. He's a, he was a movie star way back when. Um, and I thought he was really good, too. Oh, I thought he was terrible. Really? I mean, uh, again, so much of this episode for me is like, I can't tell if the acting is bad or the script is bad or the acting is amazing and they're just doing something that I don't like. Especially Russ Tamblin. Like, in that seduction scene, I was like, oh, like he's so incredibly smarmy. And there's this, this thing that really fucking bugs me in uh it is hailing right now what it is okay for our listeners it is today april 29th and it is hailing in toronto oof oof magoof so you know i'm just gonna take a brief segue for a second um lead and i are both actors among other things Mm -hmm. um it just occurred because I'm like, everyone was so good in this episode. You're we like, they were all shit. They were all I terrible do not say actors. That. No, you didn't. I'm exaggerating. Um, <laughs> brings to mind, I, I've, I'm like, we've only really worked together once. And I've auditioned for you once. Yeah. And I'm like, in our dim dark that's past. why I didn't get in. <laughs> um, one... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't want to know. One, I don't remember. Two, um... I was the assistant director. I did not get a say. Like, Grace was the person who made those choices, so you can blame her. Three, I mean, as with any audition, you know, you only get, only one person gets the part. There were five or six or seven. No, Kristen, I need to bear my soul to you. There were five or six or seven actors who we thought could have done the part, and then we picked one for inscrutable uh, mercurial reasons. Isn't that always the way? Yeah. No, I'm joking. I'm no, just I trying to make you feel uncomfortable. I know, and it did not work. <laughs> I'm making you uncomfortable. I know! It um, just occurred to me that we may have very different opinions on what... Uh, sure. Good acting is. Uh, but, okay. <laughs> um, anyway, I'll get back to my, my criticism of his smarminess later, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, we, th- we spend a lot of time at this kind of post-bet mitzvah party where we just kind of get a little bit of the gossip of the town... And and get the general vibe of things. It's kind of not a informationy yeah seg, uh, um, um, sequence. Well, I mean, okay, so there are the three women gossiping at the table, mm-hmm. and right away when they see um, Bert Rest Hamblin's character dancing with 
someone. Maybe Some it was a, yeah. It wasn't Irene, was it? No. Okay. I don't think it was a, a named character. He was dancing with someone, and they're like, "Oh, he's a widower." Ooh, like they're all excited by this, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird, because um, he's very vocal about his wife being dead. And they also say, "Oh, and he's so handsome." Ooh, like, a handsome I don't widower. See it? Oh. What do you think? Is it was he a handsome? I think he's kind of handsome. Yeah. Hmm. I don't get it. I mean, maybe because like I I remember images of him as a young man a bit more vividly like because uh one of my favorite movies is the haunting and he's like the cad in it like the rich cad Mm -hmm. um and kind of like in this one yeah he's typecast well he's he's kind of a smarmy guy i think um (laughs) but like yeah he's very charming on screen and when he was younger maybe it was a little bit more apparent but like i had that in my mind watching sure just that you know yeah. A younger, hotter version of Russ Tamblin. <laughs> I don't know. I thought the beard kind of made him look a bit distinguished, and that big hair was <laughs> well, if, if there's very one, adorable. If there's one thing we've learned from this podcast, you and I are very different people with very <laughs> different tastes. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, so then we see one woman looking very uncomfortable mm. watching Bert dancing with another woman and she goes immediately up to sam and goes like rabbi i need to speak to you like and, and he's like okay tomorrow and she's like sure like yeah yeah this tomorrow. is a character named shirley mm-hmm. who in my notes i called audrey because her hair and dress reminded me of audrey from uh little shop of horrors yeah like two foot shorter audrey yeah because that was a tall lady in that movie um but yeah so immediately i'm like she's she's had an affair with bert like, or something's going on with her and Bert. Or I had that possibility, or also that she was currently having an affair with the rabbi, with Sam. Right. I thought, because that could be like, a, oh, I need to meet with you in private tomorrow at noon. <laughs> I mean, again, we have very different opinions of, I guess, what seduction looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Let's never discuss it. <laughs> um,. Sam does have a moment where he's talking to Al and everybody's like, why is the rabbi talking to himself? I'm like, yeah. He's got a direct line to God. He better. That would have been great if there was a bit Uh, about like, oh, it's okay. He's just talking to Yahweh. (laughs) Oh, oh, Sam. Yeah. And then uh, he immediately picks up the horror because at first he doesn't know how to do it. And Al teaches it to him and he does it. Meanwhile, the guy beside him was following him, so he's a complete mess. Like, really? Very good. Watching Sam, at first, he's like, oh, I don't know how to do this. Then, because he's a Broadway dancer, picks it up very quickly. But the old gentleman standing next to him is just flailing wildly. (laughs) It's so funny. It is very funny. And yeah, when he sits down with the gossipy ladies, they immediately all stand up and are like, bye, great job today. So so apparently he did something good. Well, I meant nobody wants to sit with him. So like, mm. Rabbi Buzzkill. Well, that, that was when Shirley uh, uh, dropped the news that she wanted to meet with him later. Yeah. So I think they were just giving her privacy. Maybe, maybe. Um, then... Uh, Al drops the uh, the the news of what Sam is actually here to do, which is okay. So Sam is uh, David Bosch, the rabbi and uncle to the bat mitzvah girl, who is Karen. Karen, uh, his 
brother Joe is Karen's father. His wife is Irene. Yeah. And the reason that Sam is here is because Irene is about to have an affair and Sam is there to stop it and avoid her ruining her life. Because, yeah, she the way it happened and the way they want to prevent it is that she has an affair and her husband finds out or, like, walks in on them or something and then it ruins her life because then her daughter never forgives her. At that point, I, I wrote how excited I was that I nailed a prediction. Yeah, you were fucking great on that one. Um, except mm. this is the when Al drops this news, he says, "Oh, what you're here to do is you need to prevent Irene from having an affair." And Sam's immediate reaction is like, "She wouldn't do that." Because not Irene. I can't believe that she would have an affair. Like, you mean this woman that you have not yet spoken to? Yeah. Why? Why not Irene? Like, and people we're like, have she's... affairs, Sam. And she's clearly unhappy. She's so sad. Yeah. Not that <laughs> that necessitates or no, is, of course. is a sign, but like, I don't know. She um, doesn't seem to be in a happy marriage. Yeah. Sam, I cannot stress this enough, has not spoken to her yet. He doesn't know Irene. <laughs> you mean, you mean it's possible for somebody to have sex with not, not their spouse? <laughs> he just can't, he can't fathom... Like, he's so uncomfortable with sex in general that the idea of infidelity is, like, mind-blowing. He's like, I don't even want to have sex with one person, <laughs> let alone two. I don't even condone marital sex. <laughs> he's got a lot of issues with sex. One time I saw a boob and I passed out for a week. <laughs> and I still don't think that was punishment enough. To be fair, to be fair, it was a cow's boob, but it was still a boob. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, um now, um, as um, we get to the house, yeah, house. <laughs> we just, just talk about swung your arm really decisively. Show. You're like the house. <laughs> Interesting. What do you want to say about the house? Uh, just that, so Karen's sitting cross-legged on the floor opening her presents from the bat mitzvah, mm-hmm. and, uh, Sam sits on the floor to, to look at them with her, and just the process of this fucking six-foot-plus tall man getting down to the floor took so long and looked so awkward as he's <laughs> like, let me just get down here and fold these giant legs I know. get this giraffe neck to crane over to I mean, you. to be fair, I would look exactly the same. Oh, I'm, believe me. I'm, <laughs> I think people over six feet tall should never have to sit on the floor. <laughs> yeah. One of the gifts that she unwraps is a puka shell necklace that was given to her by the boy she likes. Yes. And Sam, like starts laughing as though like puka shell necklaces like what are the wacky crazy things that we used to wear and i was like oh sam wait till you get to 1993 my friend they're coming back they're hard coming and heavy. Back. i mean as, as somebody who was a kid in the early to mid 90s puka shell necklaces come back hard oh man i remember summer camp and then this is like our first scene of just joe being a fucking asshole all the time to everybody yeah, it, it's almost like, I don't know, it, it was almost funny in this scene if it wasn't so sad because like, he's like, oh, uh, I don't know, she's trying to talk to him about her gifts and he's kind of lost in... Like not listening at all. Yeah, like he remembers Danny for a second when they talk of a mutual friend or whatever. And then he's like, uh, I'm going to go to the gas station 
Yeah, this is okay. I'm gonna. This I'm is gonna, a weird thing to just remember. If like, I, if I may, I, I just want to go through the sequence of of how this plays out because yeah. I had many thoughts. I'm gonna do it in slow motion. Yeah. First of all, he says, "Oh, I've got to go to the gas station. If I don't go now, then I'm gonna have to go on Monday morning when there's a line." And I'm like, okay, he's going to fuck somebody. Like he's leaving the house to have an affair. Because you always go get gas the next time you're going out. Yeah. Because it just costs more gas. I mean, and again, go back and forth. That sort of gets explained later when we find out there's a gas shortage and like he does have to wait eight or nine cars back in line to get gas. We don't know this at this point. To me, it's just like, oh, he's making an excuse to leave the house. Then the daughter says, oh, can I come? And he goes, why would you want to come with me to the gas station? I'm like, yes, he's definitely leaving yeah. to go have an affair because honestly, why on earth would you not... If your daughter wants to come with you, do you have any reason to stop her? Well, I mean, I didn't jump to infidelity, actually. I did kind of think, because like, he remembers Danny and mm-hmm. she tries to talk about her presence a bit more and mm-hmm. then he decides to go to the gas station and he doesn't want her to come with him so i did kind of think like he doesn't care for his daughter or he just wants to be alone yeah but like he loved his son and he doesn't feel that way about his daughter mm-hmm. and he yeah isn't interested in spending that kind of time with her yeah but then as he's leaving he says david come on which that's that's the real like, uh nail in the coffin like, for him in this scene you might as well have just said fuck, fuck you, you karen. karen yeah and also like maybe fucking david doesn't want to go to the gas station why are you like saying oh you have this one child your daughter who wants to come and spend time with you who thinks it would be fun to line up in yeah. your car for for gas and instead which... of taking that one who volunteered you're gonna take this other dude who d- expressed no interest in going to the gas station. He's like, I just got back from work. I'm not interested. In, I just want to chill like, out. No, no, literally get in the car. Line up for gas. Getting up from the floor at this point will take me an hour. I'm <laughs> crisscross applesauce for at least another three hours, man. Yeah, her dad sucks, I said. Yeah, he's just, un- he's needlessly cruel. And I was like, oh, he had a son who died. And you're like, I don't think so. And two seconds later, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. <laughs> like, um, because um, we get a bit of a conversation while they're in line waiting for gas where uh, they, they talk about sports for like eight seconds. And then Sam's like, hey, you really seem unhappy in your personal life. And uh, Joe responds, this is like a summation. It's not word perfect, but Sam says, uh, you seem really unhappy. And Joe goes, for the first time in my life, I'm thinking of having an affair. And then we cut to commercial. Yeah. <laughs> I also just don't know. Like, it's it's just so strange to me that I, I guess it's his brother and brothers talk about stuff. But just to just put it like that, like. I don't know. I would sooner have him be like, I don't know what to do. I'm not happy in my marriage. Yeah, like, exactly. Just say that. But to be like, I'm considering having an affair. is like, do you have anyone in mind? Yeah, I mean, like, like, this is what I was usually thinking. Usually it's that you meet someone and you're like, oh, I, yeah. in all my experience with it. No, from what I gather, 
that would be how it goes. Yeah, I mean, the way I would read it is, A, like, as you said, if you're just kind of feeling generally unhappy, you'd be like, I'm feeling generally unhappy. Or... That's much less damning. If there's, like, you could... There's a circumstance where you might, like, say, oh, my God, I just met somebody and I can't get her out of my mind. I'm really worried about the future of my marriage. Yes. That's how you'd frame that. You wouldn't be like, you know what? What is it? Tuesday? I think I might have an affair. You ever hear about this uh, Ashley Madison? <laughs> like, <laughs> also, your brother's a rabbi. So I know. probably the first thing he's going to say is like, maybe Don't. avoid having an affair because <clears throat> thou shalt not. <laughs> but like, yeah, it yeah. seemed very strange it's to me. That also he's the- like, I'm considering getting me, getting me one of them's affairs. Mm-hmm. Which also, I mean, I guess it makes more sense him asking David to go to the gas station. It's like, I want a chance to have a heart-to-heart outside of the house. But also, it's just a very strange dynamic where he's your brother and your rabbi. And even at a certain point in this episode, I don't remember exactly when, Sam starts giving him advice and he says, Are you talking to me as my brother or as my rabbi? And it's like... uh, I mean, it doesn't make a difference, but like... Yeah, when you're like, hey, brother slash rabbi, I'm thinking about sinning. Your thoughts? I mean, that's a very complicated dynamic. Yeah. That they don't really address. Yeah. Oh, no, anytime there's a... You ever see the movie Repo, the genetic opera? I haven't. Are you serious? It's so good. No, I'm kidding. Wasn't that a funny joke? (laughs) (laughs) Outrageous. No, I'll lend it to you. It's so good. Um, But there's a part where, where... Because it's a, like, metal opera, goth metal opera. He sings at one point to his daughter, like, I am your doctor, and I'm your father. So every time I hear about a conflict of interest in TV or film, I just hear, like, I am the rabbi, and I'm your brother. Then we cut back uh, after the commercial break to Sam hanging out at their house again and having a conversation with Al. Turns out, I don't this might shock you, but Sam and Al have different opinions on monogamy. This is a confusing scene because this is the one where Sam said maybe fidelity is overrated. No, Al said that. Oh, That's okay. the one that makes more sense. I thought you said that Sam said it and I was very confused. Well, I just I was thinking like in a way like Al was being very progressive on this one. Like he was ahead of his time because the non-monogamy movement uh, has gained a lot of traction in the last 10 years. Because Sam was immediately... Um, saying like, no, fidelity is like the basis of any real relationship. And I'm not saying like, I'm a, I'm a monogamous, monogamous person. Like I'm not, I'm not arguing against monogamy, but, um, but Sam was making a lot of assertions for, f- without kind of supporting them. And I was just like, Hey, like, turns out it's really hard. And maybe for some people, non-monogamy might be a better option. Yeah. I mean... Which, which is a good way of thinking about it, except that then when Sam says something about, like, all of Al's quote-unquote successful marriages, because he's been married a bunch of times, and he said something like, you know, you haven't been in healthy relationships. And Al says, like, I have been in healthy relationships. I just haven't had great marriages. Yeah, he said, something. he said actually, I think he said, like, all of my relationships have been good. Uh, just the marriages haven't worked out. And I don't know exactly what distinction he was drawing there. Well, and that's the problem, right? Is that he's a man who clearly, it seems, from what we know of Al, doesn't believe in monogamy. 
seems that way. I mean, I think. I mean, he he would probably argue well, that he does. He certainly believes in monogamy for women. So, because if exactly. you remember the episode where he thought that uh, Sheila, what's is it Sheila, his current love? Sure. I don't know. Um, when he thought that she was having cheating on him, he was very upset about it. Exactly. That's the thing. I would be all, oh, he's very progressive if that. If for the fact that he wasn't ruining all of his marriages, mm-hmm. probably through infidelity. Oh, he's, he's on to something. Um, Golden Pharaoh a nomination, though. Do you remember this outfit? It was very good. Uh, Which one was this in it? Was this like in the, the bronze? Kitchen. Yeah. A lot of bronze, yeah. Like brownish pants, brown jacket. Big brooch. Bronze. Bronze kind of like um, floral or even, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. Kind of floral, like, but earth tones and then a shiny silver bow tie not bow tie tie a shiny silver tie oh yeah he had some good ties in this one in the beginning was that with he had the orange vest and like a technicolor tie yeah 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 that bronze number though that was, i like that, that one was a lot the ticket. it was it was that that's my favorite so far i think all right except okay. for maybe big red <laughs> we'll clock that for award season yep um, then we uh, cut to uh, he's playing Scrabble with Karen. Mm-hmm. Uh, tries to play the word sushi that she definitely says that is not a human word. <laughs> in the in the 70s, did Americans not really know about sushi? I don't know when sushi came to America. I, I think it was certainly popularized in, I would assume, the 90s. 80s or 90s? I feel like 80s New York, you could probably get sushi. Yeah, I think it was more... In the 80s, it was probably new and you couldn't get it a lot of places. But in the 90s, it was probably much more popular. Um, It first, I mean, it started making uh, after World War II, basically. Um, um, 1950s, it was possible to get sushi in the bigger cities. Uh, By the mid-70s, it was taking off a little more. So, I, I mean... I guess all of this is to say that it would not be unreasonable for Sam to be like, no, don't you know about sushi? Yeah. Oh, let me tell you. It's this Japanese food. It's really great. You can, if you, if you went to, if we went downtown right now, we could go get some sushi. And it's 30 points. For sure, a hundred percent a word. <laughs> yeah. Like he just backtracked and. Also, this is, okay, this is a very. But then again, maybe on the, on the top of his head, he didn't know. And yeah. He just said, fuck it. I'm just going to do a different word. But Sorry. also, like, this is a very, very small point, but writing matters, you guys. And what he, he she, after she called him and said, sushi isn't a word, uh, he started complaining. She's like, oh, you're not doing very well. Are you letting me win? He goes, no, I have, like, lousy letters. I've got only vowels and no consonants. And it's like, except for the two S's and the H that you just played, you... You have at least three continents. And then he goes to play the guitar, and yeah, the he, pin a pin could drop, and yeah. one would hear it. She gets very upset right away. His moment at the moment, Sam. Also, like in the middle of a game, to just be like, "Hey, uh, I know we're playing Scrabble, but maybe I'd like to sing you a little ditty." Like, who does that? But then, yeah, and she's like, that, "That's Danny's guitar," and oh my god, so that upsets her. And, and that's when I was like, "Oh yeah, definitely dead son." Yeah. But the thing is, is they're all very upset when they see anything to do with Danny or they talk about Danny or mm-hmm. remember Danny. And yet they've, as we've had brought up, like everything in his room is the same. They leave his guitar out in the living room. Mm-hmm. So they're constantly, like they're surrounded by his stuff because they don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. 
but I mean, whatever. Well, I'm to me, like, everybody I f- deals with de- with grief yeah. in different ways. But like, to me, I felt like it was like a really, really um, realistic kind of um, picture of a family in grief, where it's 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 all about conflicting stuff. You don't want to get rid of his stuff, but then also seeing his stuff makes you really sad. Through avoidance, you're still being faced with him all the yeah. time because you're avoiding dealing with. It's a family in need absence. of catharsis. Yeah, and I mean it's and it's a fact. I mean, again, I, I it's pop psychology. I don't know how you know scientifically accurate it is, but the the a general understanding is that most parents, when they lose a child, divorce or there's some kind of really um, um, intractable rift that it opens up. And so I, I that one of the things that I'll say. No, I mean I I have a lot in favor of this episode. I think it's a really strong episode. But I thought it was one of the best things about it was how realistically it was like, yeah, these people are in conflict with themselves and with each other. They're um, yeah, they they they're not talking about the thing that must be talked about, and and yeah. that is what's tearing them apart. And that was the interesting dynamic in it, I guess, is uh, is the avoidance slash constantly being faced with the problem. Like, they all know what it is, mm-hmm. and nobody's dealing with it. So my only other thought that I think we passed over when Sam and Al are talking in the kitchen, and Al is like, she's going to have an affair. Um, oh, oh, no, that's when he knows. Sorry, this is after he realizes it's him, mm-hmm. because he was in Danny's room because he says, like, can I stay the night? Yeah. The family has a fight at dinner. Yeah, this the, a lot of these kind of um, threads are, are get get uh, reach reach a bit of a head. A small climax over the le- next couple of scenes where at the dinner table, um, Sam uh, talks about how he touched Danny's guitar. And they start talking about Danny and everything immediately, like, shuts down. And, and they stop being able to kind of converse. And, and then after Sam asks to stay the night. Um, Irene is fixing up Danny's bedroom for him and she like has a, has a full breakdown. Yeah. Right. Uh, we do get the information also at dinner that uh, they've been avoiding um, laying his headstone. Yep. Um, which is important. And we also do learn uh, he's been dead for one year. He died about a year ago. Right. Okay. So it's very recent. Um, and she has a breakdown in the bedroom with Sam and, they, and he hugs her and yeah. things get kind of romantic um, for a second, but they both decide not to kiss. To some to some extent, she blames herself because the way that he died, um, he wanted to go backpacking through Europe. Um, Joe didn't want him to go, but Irene convinced him that it was a fine thing for a young man to do. But he died in a plane crash. Yeah. On that trip. So she blames himself and Joe blames her for letting him go to Europe. Which is an important dynamic, I guess. That they both, to some extent, blame her for the death. Um, and she... Uh, um, in this in this breakdown, she starts talking about... It's my fault. It's my fault. And Sam says, no, it's not your fault. And she goes, well, Joe thinks it's my fault. And that's when he's comforting her. They they do a... a, a like a little lean yeah. in... What they call in the in the TV show coupling, they call it NAT, which is nose avoidance tilting. Oh, look at that! Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they do some NAT, um, and then then he meets Al in the kitchen, yep. and he's like, "It's me. Like she's yep. gonna have an affair with me." Um, and Al says, "Well, great. That just means you just don't have just to don't do it. Just don't do anything." Mm-hmm. Which is funny because. Uh, 
before he said that, I was like, this is going to prove to be the biggest challenge for Al because Al doesn't know how to do anything but tell him. <laughs> like, Al's advice every episode is, you gotta fuck her. <laughs> Sam! Sam! You go- Sam! Sam, there's only one way home and it's through her vagina! <laughs> I'm like, Al is gonna be at a complete loss. <laughs> the only thing he know- doesn't know how to do is how not to fuck someone. But no, um, so yeah, he's like, so just don't do anything. And this is actually kind of a funny slapstick moment where Al just says, look up at God and say, I promise not to fuck her, and then you'll leave. And Sam like just looks up and goes, I promise. <laughs> and waits expectantly, thinking that that would have worked. Because God, a.k.a. the big bopper's like, I know what you're going to do, baby. <laughs> but if I put him back in your body, he didn't make the promise. <laughs> That's not how quantum leap works, baby. This is... I'm, I'm deciding this is now canon, that God is the big bopper. God in quantum leap is the... Yeah, you know what, though? Sam said it. Sam. Um. Anyway. So, yeah, and then they, they're at the bake sale the next oh, day. Oh, no, I just want to say, actually, Sam or Al makes, like, a really... Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not as profound as I felt in the moment. But uh, Sam starts talking about he's like this episode is all about family. And he's like, I can't really remember my family. I don't really like. I want to go home, but I don't really know what home is. And Al says to him, and this is a quote: "This is your family. This is your home for now. Don't let it fall apart." Yeah. So um, he said, "Like what you have, right?" Because he's like, "I don't know what I have." He says something about yeah, like, something like that. And yeah, Al says, "What you have is right here, right now." Yeah. Which, as a fan of The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. <laughs> no, I, I just found that very uh, I don't profound. Know. It's just a, it, it was a self-help book I read way back when. That is, uh, yeah, the premise is basically like the only thing you know for sure is what you're encountering right now. Yeah. So. And I thought that was a very, like, I mean, A, um, for Al, like an astute observation. And yeah. B, like, yeah, quite zen. And like, it's hey. It's true for all of us. Guess what? Like, right now, this is the circumstance you find yourself in. Like, do your best. Exactly. Exactly. Good job, Al. Yeah. Yeah, Good. I I, I like this episode. Yeah. It was. was Yeah, I I like it too. I think pretty good. And 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 except for certain dialogue things, I do think this is like one of the strongest episodes we've seen. Yeah. It was really touching. Um. Yeah. So the next day, bake uh, sale. Bake sale, and Bert is after it he's sort of like um chatting irene up and mm-hmm. and uh i knew i'm like oh, okay so we've got like a merry widower situation here. yeah and he's he's talking about he's talking to her he's like oh uh we have something in common we've both lost somebody that we love you know i've been writing a book about loss and uh i think i'd like to interview you it's been like therapy for me, so maybe it would help you. And it's like, oh, fuck this guy. Fuck him. He's the worst. And she's like, I'm not comfortable with that. And I he's don't. like, no, I get it. I was there too, but you got to do it anyway. Which is, I mean, true. Like, actual therapy is oh, by all very means. much called for. Well, and he says, like, listen, I'm uh, like, I'm not a therapist. But... Which is, like, for sure, the, the writers being like, okay, uh, we don't want to discourage people. We're not going to make this guy. A psychologist or a psychiatrist. We're gonna. He's like all the way through. He's like, oh well, this is a you know an unprofessional opinion, but boop doop a doo. Well, except that, and then at the end, um, just to jump ahead, because Al says like Bert ends up having a lifetime sentence 
with the therapist. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's a negative. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know if if he means like actually like legally he was court ordered to attend therapy for the rest of his life, or he just like, or he himself was like, oh fuck, man, I need therapy. Well, no. Either way, though, it's more the way Al is talking yeah. about it, right? Like, like yeah. that's a negative thing. It's like, well, he probably. <laughs> Needed it. He needs it desperately. Not, we all should have lifetime therapy, but mm-hmm. whatever. Very quiet train. A very quiet train. Loud! <laughs> tip, 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 no on the tracks. It's a very quiet train. Loud! <laughs> um, anyway. Um, so, yeah, that's really shitty. So that's really shitty. Yeah, no, he's flirting with Irene. Um, uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, Oh, and this is where a man is uh, choking. This is the golden shoehorn of golden shoe. I thought Chubby Checker was going to be our runaway winner. This, yeah, so a man is choking and Sam's like, hey, hang on. He like goes up, does the Heimlich maneuver and Leet immediately goes like, oh, he's going to invent the Heimlich maneuver. And then uh, the man is okay. And he walks walks away, and the woman is like, "Are you okay, Doctor Heimlich?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, I I imagine so many problems coming up because like Doctor Heimlich next week, I imagine going up to the rabbi and being like, "Rabbi, that thing you did last week to dislodge that thing I was choking on, mm-hmm. um, like what exactly did you do? How did you do it? Can we talk about it?" And the rabbis could be like, I don't fucking remember. <laughs> like, well, he's a doctor; he'll figure it out. I guess. I just stopped to look up Doctor Heimlich. I mean, it's fair he would have been um, practicing here. Uh, it doesn't say where he uh, lived; somewhere by the beach. It's just the fact that he died in 2016. Oh. Thank he was, you, he was, Dr. Heimlich. Actually, I'm actually I'm looking at his picture. They picked a pretty decent extra <laughs> to, who looked like the actual Dr. Heimlich. He kind of looked like that. He yeah. kind of looks like this guy. Wow. Good job on detail, <laughs> y'all. It's just that, like, okay, Chubby Checker, we were like, this is so random. This has nothing to do with anything. But in retrospect, I'm like, he was making rock music at the, in the time 1950s and true, he true, was true. in a dj like like in a radio station somewhere that he would have been whereas in this case i wonder maybe they, they... i'm not saying that dr heimlich wouldn't be at temple or at a bake sale mm-hmm. but like choking and medical yeah nothing to do have nothing to do with with this yeah karen is the dixie is my next note so that means karen was crying <laughs> i didn't love that actor okay all right We'll move on. Sometimes, I don't know, I have a soft spot for sadness. No, so do I, for sure. I guess most people do. (laughs) Most people have a human reaction to sadness. Oh, that was after um, uh, 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 Irene, at the advice of Sam, um, asks her husband to go to the beach house with her. Yeah, um, Sam, she's, I think she's a little freaked out by how much uh, Bert was hitting on her, so she, she seems a little rattled, and uh, yeah. Sam says, why don't you go away, take take uh, um, Joe away for a few days, uh, and she goes, well, we haven't been to the beach house in a year, 
but what about what about Karen? And Sam says, I'll watch Karen. And fine. So she's very excited to go to this beach house. They pack Joe's bags without telling Joe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when finally they break the news and he's like, what are you fucking doing with your suitcases? She goes, we're going to the beach house. Yeah. Joe is an asshole. Joe is absolutely an asshole in this scene. But to be fair, like, if somebody was like, hey, by the way, we're leaving right now for the weekend, I would be a little upset about that. Yeah, I'd be like, did you get my blank? Like, I don't know. What do you mean you packed my bag? Like, surprises are nice. Surprises are nice. But at the same time, he's like, I brought work home from the office. And she goes, well, you can do it at the beach house. It's like, I don't want to like no he could have i mean i suppose the answer is he could have just said like i'm totally in next weekend yeah i don't but I, not I can't. this weekend i but can't but he does in fact become an asshole about it so fair enough he says like don't you get it i don't want to go there yeah like which is yeah largely because they spent time there with danny right but they and spent they, everywhere time everywhere yeah he danny. was your son you own a fucking house go it's, stay there yeah yeah so she leaves um, she decides to go without him because he's being an asshole. And guess who's just lurking? Oh, I guess before I get too ahead of myself, um, that's the moment Karen cries. I think because she like saw the whole thing or something. Yeah, yeah. And she and Sam again. We get Sam comforting her for like the fiftieth time this uh, episode. Yeah. Um, uh, and and she says, "Why doesn't Dad love me?" And Sam gives like the worst slash fair advice which is like uh right now he needs you to love him just as much as you need him so basically saying like "Mm, you know put put your all your change into this slot machine and hope that one day it'll pay off yeah exactly like it's not her duty to to parent her dad yeah hey guess what she's also grieving like fucking be a parent yeah um, anyway, now at the beach house, she goes inside and Bert is lurking around the corner. But how, like, did Bert follow her there? Yeah, this is my thing, is I'm like, it's a beach house, so he's not, like, the neighbor there, mm-hmm. is he? I mean, I don't know. That like, would be I was very wondering. weird, given that he's been hounding her all weekend. It's very unclear. My first thing was, like, they're gonna be like, oh, by coincidence, he happens to own the beach house next door. They don't explain that. He's just there. So it's like, did he follow her? Yeah. Is he going to murder her? I would be, I mean, she she's like, we shouldn't, they end up on the couch and talking and he like kisses her and whatever. He's trying to get her and to And this is my him. fucking smarmiest scene and I hated yeah. it. Um, there's a real problem in storytelling when you have the smarmiest, dirtiest, most obvious pickup artist in the world yeah. picking up like nice women who should know better. Because it's like, why? Why can't she... she see through this? Like he is, like if you want, like somebody, you cast somebody who is like actually like seems sympathetic. I mean, my rationalization of it is, um, she's very upset. She mm-hmm. just had a terrible fight with her husband. Things have been really bad with her husband for a long time, mm-hmm. and she's been very upset. She goes away to this beach house after this huge fight they've had where he refused to go with her. This guy is there for her. And the things he's saying, they're not great. Like he's saying, like, you deserve to be happy. You deserve to have blank and blank. And he's got his shirt unbuttoned halfway down his chest as well. Yeah, it's not so much for me about the sexual attraction for one another in this scene so much as if she's upset and angry, like maybe 
you know, people people do things to try to forget or to sure. feel something else. But right? in that so case, I'm like, I, I kind would, of in that if that if that's how they're playing it, then the way to play the scene is for her to be like. Yes, I can see that you're trying to use me, and I can see that you're a piece of shit. I'm going to make the choice to go and I for don't it care. anyway. Yeah, that's like you can't play it both ways. Because she instead keeps saying like I don't like this is wrong, and she's not really showing any interest back in him. Yeah. So. And again, in in my mind, this whole time I'm like, this guy is not attractive. <laughs> like he's not that charming or or handsome. But I mean, different strokes. I'll I'll allow. I'm not that. saying he's a dreamboat, but. I don't know. There you have that little Rust Hamblin glint. Rust Hamblin had such a mischievous glint. He looks kind of like Bob Ross. <laughs> well, listen, the hair was not great. I will I will say that. But, like, it was the 70s. What do you want? Um, this point, um, Sam gets another conversation with Al back at home where uh, uh, somehow or other, I don't remember exactly how it was, but Sam realizes that Bert was going to be the guy, not him that that uh Irene has an affair with and Al drops the information oh uh Bert was never married all this time he's been talking about his dead wife yes he was never married um and he's doing all of this to write a book that becomes a bestseller in 1975 the n- title of the book is Women in Pain <laughs> and Al says that he read it <laughs> And I have to ask. Of course, you read it. Do you mean that you read it just now as research? No. Or did he you knows like that book? He's like, oh shit, this is some good stuff. Women can feel pain. Wait, oh you, my god! You can exploit women's neuroses for sex. I see. <laughs> That's so funny. It's his favorite book. Women in pain. And he Al's says, favorite book of all time. And he says, Irene is number four. Oh my god, Irene, like from my favorite book. <laughs> like, oh my word. That actually explains why, like, at the very beginning, when, uh, um, at in in scene one at the bat mitzvah, as soon as we hear Irene's name, Al gets like a glassy <laughs> look on his face. Irene. Irene. You mean the one with the legs? <laughs> God. Yeah, so uh Sam breaks it up easy. Yeah, Sam drives to the beach house and and like like minute one he walks in the door and says he was never married. Yeah. But you know what? That's good though, because I hate scenes where it's like, I just I need to tell you something about him and she's like, No. He's like, No, I just need to tell you this one thing and you know how that's a movie trope where you're like, just say the damn thing. But at this point they were like, We want to spend so little fucking time on this scene. Like Sam walks in and says Hey, he was never married. And then he does not deny it at all. He's like, well, you see, the reason I did it was... Yeah. Well, I mean, and I guess because you also pointed out, like, almost around the time of the scene, you're like, how much is left of this episode? Because we we were nearing the end of the episode and nothing was resolved. So they kind of had to write scenes like that at the end. Yeah. You know? And plus they wanted, like, also, we don't want to spend any time with Bert. Like, the the core of this episode is the family. And we're going to spend, like, eight seconds getting to the point where Bert leaves forever. And then we're going to spend three and a half minutes dealing with the catharsis of this actual episode. Which is a good choice. Maybe they were like, we can't afford to have that many scenes with Russ Tamblin. Like, (laughs) we can't afford him for much. We got him for a day. Yeah. Yeah, we got the bat, bat mitzvah, we got bake sale, we got yep. beach house. 
Bada bing, bada boom. Bears That's battles sort of... <laughs> Galactica beats. <laughs> Whatever. Um, and, uh, yeah, Bert gets called out by the rabbi. She slaps him a couple of times and he leaves, basically. Yep. Uh, then uh, they start hugging and she goes, oh, I didn't mean to do it. And uh, Sam wraps her in a big old hug. And that's the moment when Joe shows up because he's pretty sure that they are having an affair. Yep, yep, yep. Um, he uh, punches Sam three times. Yeah, and Al says, like, keep taking it. Keep letting him punch you. This is catharsis. This is good. This means he still loves her. He's like, yeah. Again, it's like... <laughs> Violence is an acceptable way of showing affection. It's the only way men can express their emotions. Yeah. So he's just taking it. And Sam just keeps getting up and getting punched in the face and falling down. Um, But then um, after three punches, uh, he finally kind of like starts talking about his feelings. Well, because Sam says, you know we're not having an affair. You're just like, you're just, you haven't forgiven her for Danny. So he's projecting his anger towards her on this fake affair. Which I thought was also like fairly astute of Sam. Yeah. To be like, hey, like you're saying that we, you think we have an affair. I don't believe that you believe that we're having an affair. I think yeah. you know better. And I'm like, good call, Sam. Very That's, good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was well written. Mm-hmm. It was well done. Sorry, I interrupted you to be like, yes. No, that was it. That was, that was, <laughs> I, I also agree, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, Sam. And then, um, yeah, there's, there's like, it's an emotional scene, but I don't know, not a lot to sum up. They just, they both cry together and it's very, very good and nice. It was so good. It was just such a good, like, and all the while, Joe, like I, like I said, you know, he started off and you hate him and he's so mean, but he was good at playing mean. And hurt. Yeah. I thought he was doing a really good job throughout the episode. And then at the end, when he just had that switch, I found it so cathartic, which is what the whole episode is about, yep, right? I agree entirely. So it was, it was nice. It was it was very well done. I got quite choked up. Um, and then he's like, this is where I wrote, everyone is the damn Dixie. Um, we find out Bert gets what he deserves. He gets... <laughs> A life sentence with a shrink. Yeah, uh, his, book his, was his never published. book never becomes a bestseller. Um, but on the other hand, and gets... Joe and Irene write a book that does become a bestseller about like actual what grief is like. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't. So he hasn't leapt yet, and he remembers. He says like, "There's something else we have to do." Yeah. So they lay the headstone uh, for Danny, and <laughs> we can't even talk about it. It was so sad. I thought it was so sad and so nice and the the yeah he had to patch things up yeah. Joe had to patch things up with Karen too and they just have this yeah. really sweet moment it was very nice um I can't I can't uh, say anything wrong about the ending of this episode it's beautiful yeah it was just like this grieving family hugging at their son's grave yeah oh oh god <laughs> it's so good but I mean um the way that Sam patches it up is basically like Oh, you are like you. I'm like I'm, you're verklempt. I'm a bit verklempt. I found, yeah. Go on. Um, I was just gonna say uh, the way that Sam, uh, basically, uh, the thing that that tips it over, the tipping point, if you will, Malcolm Gladwell, um, to make Joe actually be like, hey, like I also have a daughter. Is Sam says you already lost one kid, don't lose another, and and that's the one. Which good sentiment. I don't know if it's enough to kind of. Um, get the ball rolling on repairing the relationship. But, you know, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a... Yeah. 
at least acknowledging maybe now he knows that he's been neglecting yeah. his daughter and treating her terribly. Yeah. Um, and being aware of that problem because he's been in denial for a yeah. year. And as, as is with... enough to just, you know... Yeah, with yeah. a lot of these kind of emotional things, the implication is like Sam said this one thing and then can dust off his hands and leap with the knowledge that everything's going to be fine. It's like, I do want to flag like, no, like there's a rift in this relationship that's going to take some time, but like at least they're working on it. They're still, they're on the road, but it's not a problem solved yet. Yeah. 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 Um, Kristen, do you have anything to plug? I have my podcast number two. Um, which is on a dark, cold night. Um, it's a bedtime ghost story podcast. Um, and I also have another podcast. No, you can't talk about your other podcast. Okay. No, okay. I want to. <laughs> um, I'm kidding. I have two very good cats. <laughs> um, following me on Twitter, I think it's at Leetstet. Talk about your other podcast. It's a movie pitching prod- podcast with improv. Um, it's oh. called the Pitch Off Project. Oh, did I forget to say that? Yeah, you didn't say what it was called. It's called the Pitch Off Project. <laughs> <sighs> so Sam leaps. Sam leaps. This is the episode that I have been yeah. dreading because I've seen gifs of it mm-hmm. around when I search for quantum leap gifs. Yeah, and uh, it points out the very casual use of a word that we don't use. Yep. Um, I I was gonna say I'm. Gonna put some trigger warnings for this next episode. Do you want to make a guess, or do you want to use this time to just be like, "Hey, guys"? No, I don't want to make a guess. No. Okay. Um, this next episode is a huge bummer. I don't know if anyone is f- actually watching along with us, but we won't blame you if you skip this one. Um, it. I guess we can't skip it, eh? Um. Oh, that's that would be a very good editorial decision. Decision. Um, I wonder, I mean, I don't know what happens in it, Yeah, but I can already imagine, already, yeah. I mean, how, how, what do you say we watch it and then decide whether we want to record an episode about it? Sure. It is, I mean, oof. Um, it, it, first of all, it, it does use a slur that we don't use anymore. It also, uh, deals with a lot of kind of cruel, um, medical practices regarding mm. people with mental disabilities and it's a real fucking bummer of an episode yeah um so you you dear listener you don't have to watch it um we'll we'll let you know whether we're gonna do an episode about it yeah yeah well it's a fucking sad episode oh well i mean like this was a sad honestly episode. i'm glad to hear it's not like a funny episode, you know what no. I mean. I mean, as no, I mean I don't want to see sad things. But this episode was sad in a really beautiful who... way. Like this episode that we watched today is a sad yeah. episode. Nobody would say this is a happy, silly episode like Peorio was. Yeah, but at least it was. Um, it was touching. It touching. was handled gracefully, I yeah. think. And it wasn't triggering, or at least in a general sense. I'm sure. Like, no, I think to... like I might put like content warning for uh grief like yeah. discussions of grief on this grief, one just because infidelity. i know sometimes when people are infidelity can be a touchy subject sometimes maybe but right. um but this one is is above and beyond 
Yeah, and uh, especially if they're handling things without... I don't know. I don't know what it's about. I mean, but... I don't know. I, I, I don't think, like... Given what Quantum Leap is, I, do, I think they're going to come down on the side of obviously, like, be nice to folks. And, like, I don't think the message of the show is yeah, going to be particularly bad. But it's just there's some imagery that's kind of upsetting that I can still fucking remember from when I first watched it in really? my teens. Like, um, it's, yeah, it's it's quite upsetting. And I, I don't remember exactly if, if it's... Well, other than the use of that one word, um, I don't know whether it's a particularly problematic episode, politically speaking, but it's a downer, if nothing else. Um, So, well, look, if we watch this episode, decide not to do another episode, uh, not to record about it, we might have to skip a week. Because yeah. depending on depending on how much time we have, if we have enough time to watch it and then say nope and then watch another episode, yeah, maybe we'll have that much time. Maybe not. Or we could have like free play. Free play, just do a. a oh boy, it's, it's oh boy, Christmas we're gonna, and nothing else. We're, oh boy, we're not going to talk about this week's episode. That might be fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, except we will both be depressed from having seen that episode. But. That's true. I feel like I don't want to watch it, given the way you describe it. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, up to you. I, I'm not going to force bad, you, obviously. That's bad uh, form to just not watch it when this is what we've set out to do. I, I wouldn't blame you if you don't want to watch it, but... Um, Maybe I'll read a summary. Sure. That's not a bad I idea. I think that's what I'm going to do. Cool. Um, so, one way or the other, we will have an episode for you next week. Yeah. Uh... And who knows what we'll talk about on the next episode of Oh, oh Boy, Boy, It's, it's Kristen, Kristen and Leet. Goodbye. Goodbye. Leet. <laughs> <laughs>